0: I'm one of the uh, deacons here. Uh, just had a few things that I wanted to get out to you guys. Um, first of all, yes, the church is open. Uh, so uh, any of you folks uh, joining us online, um, we are uh, uh, practicing our CDC guidelines of uh, social distancing, mask wearing, uh, all those things. So uh, if you do feel comfortable, uh, uh, you're welcome to join us. I would uh, ask that everybody... Uh, the RSVP by Thursday, the week prior, if you do plan on coming so we can uh, arrange the seats accordingly. A um, uh, couple other things. Uh, so after uh, after the service, um, if you do want to socialize, which we encourage, we love uh, gathering uh, together as a church body, um, we would ask that you do that outside, so after the service, uh, if everybody can file, uh, file out this door to my right here. Um, and you can... Uh, and you can uh, join us a community uh, uh, outside. Um, I do want to uh, uh, remind everybody that um, uh, Rayshimov, uh, one of our dear sisters, it will be leaving us soon. Um, so we'll be organizing a farewell party this Saturday. Um, so for more information on that, uh, please contact Demi or Caitlin. Uh, and uh, uh, some of you might know, um, Aaron Stevens, one of the uh, missionaries that we support, is back from India. Came back on Thursday. I think it was uh, 40 hour, 40 plus hour travel time to make it back from India. But uh, but he's back in uh, quarantine. Uh, so uh, praise the Lord that uh, that uh, he's around. Uh, so we got a great service. Uh, We're we going to start with a few songs and uh, just start off with a word of prayer. Okay.
1: Hebrews 1, 1-4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the Lord. He is the
0: radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word.
1: After making purification for he sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more.
2: So be glorified with. Me. Let's go to the Lord. Oh, oh God in heaven, how great you are. Far above all rulers and authorities, above all the principalities. There is no other God like you, there is no other God besides you. And the thing that through Jesus Christ we can have this bold is to approach your throne. For angels fear to tread. You are the, the glorious God. Full of splendor and majesty and might and power. And everything that you do is for your own glory. Lord, we come before And we pray that you would instill it in our hearts and press it upon our hearts, Lord, to live our lives for your glory. Father, we pray that you may help us to do everything, even our prayer requests, Lord, that it, it all would fulfill your glorious purposes. Help Help us as a church, Lord, use our church for your glory, God. Whatever way that may look like, let us not be about ourselves, but help us to look to you to do all things for the spread of your faith. We pray, Lord, for those who are ill, for those who are suffering, for those who just need your strength today. Even in their trying moments, even in their challenges and frustrations, even in their suffering, Lord, that you will bring glory to yourself. And that even in these difficult times, that they may endure and persevere for your glory. And we do pray, God, that you will provide the strength that they need, encouragement that they need. We pray, Lord, for good, no matter how, Lord. And that the, with the strength and the endurance and even the good health, Lord, that you may see fits to provide, and they would in turn use those things for your glory. Father, we are thankful, Lord, for our dear brother Aaron who has returned, and we pray that you would sustain him and help him and help him to recover uh, in these next several days. Lord, we pray for our sister, Ina, in the DR. God, we pray that you would sustain her and help her, Lord, in the orphanage that is there and her ministry. Lord, protect them and keep them safe. We pray for all the workers, God, that you would protect them as well and sustain them. We pray, Lord, for Lord and could help protect them, Lord, from the coronavirus. Protect our children from getting sick. Lord, provide the resources that they need. Help them to know that you are the God who has promised to never leave them and then will proceed. Father, we pray for FBC Greater Rochester. We pray for the states who gather there. We pray that you would glorify yourself. Through your people, whether they are meeting in person or whether they are still uh, live streaming their services, God,
1: whatever they may be, that you may continue to be the God who
2: sustains them and solidifies the ground that they walk on, which is Jesus Christ. May they continue to lift their voices to your glory. May they continue to raise their prayers to you in boldness and confidence. And that they may be. And they may have rest and assurance that you are the God who listens to their prayers and seeks to glorify and beautify your church to present your church to Christ. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for stability, God. Did even know for many of us, Lord? We are privileged in the sense that we don't, uh, we don't see a lot of the, the, the violence and the turmoil, God, because we don't live in those contexts, Lord, but may we not be so far removed from those situations that are happening across the country. Let us not forget what's happening, Lord. We pray that you would sustain and help those who are in fear. God, we pray for government officials. We pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray that they would prioritize establishing peace. We pray, Father, that you may help us That we may not destroy ourselves Lord, we pray for uh, for students from preschoolers To those who are in high school To those who are in college or graduate school We pray that you may help them Uh, And even in this time where maybe many of them are not in classes Or have little to no work We pray that they would have rest and that even in that rest and recreation, that would be to your glory. We pray for those who are studying or even just preparing, Lord, to return to school in the fall, whatever that case may be, in their in their in their life. We pray that you would give them the understanding, the mind to be able to comprehend and to know, Lord, and that even what they learn, that it would be for your glory, God. We pray that you would use your people who are studying in various different ways to bring about your gloriousness. We thank you for the opportunity to boldly approach your throne this morning, to make these prayer requests known to you. And with that same boldness that you give us to Jesus Christ, we pray and pray that Jesus himself taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors.
1: And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is
2: the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of John? John 17, verse 1. John 17 1 through verse 5. Originally, I intended to uh, cover the entire chapter because this is the prayer of Jesus. But then I realized, haha, that's going to be pretty tough. So So, we're going to break it up into two. Two sermons. And in fact, I'm not even sure we'll be able to get through the first five verses in this one sermon. We'll see. John 17, verse 1. Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, and that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Me. I glorify you on earth, and have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we come before you and we ask that you may speak to us. Help us, Lord, to to get out of ourselves, to forget the, the troubles and the worries that may be in our minds this morning, so that we may come before you with Open hearts
1: and an eagerness to hear from you, Lord. We pray that you will speak loudly and clearly to
2: us, despite the weaknesses and of of my words. You Use your word to speak to us and to encourage us and to instruct us in the way of salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I watched the other day this video uh, that really made that it is uh, really insightful statement or comment that I think it applies to a lot of different things in life. And There was a video on on sketching and drawing and the comment that was made was something along these lines. It said that when students of, of sketching or drawing they get frustrated because they're not able to produce a, this wonderful work of art. They're not able to produce something that is inspiring or something that, it, that makes people say, wow, you did a really good job. That's wonderful. They get frustrated and they end up just giving up, even early on in the process. And the reason is because they get so fixated on the goal. They get so fixated on the end product, when they never really come to enjoy the process that it requires to be able to produce a good work of art. But right. it's going to take a lot of trial and error some and it's going to take a lot of sketches that might look like a three-year-old through them. But if you're not willing to go through all those things, well, then you're never going really to enjoy the process. and never get to the end. And I think that really does apply to a lot of things. Imagine if we treated life in that way. If we were so fixated, say, on our children's success and their prosperity, or even that we would be so focused on getting them saved, that we might even lose our children in the process. But all we want to do is to make sure that they get to this end and never really enjoy the process that it takes to get them there. Or even just in, I don't know, where you might see yourself in a year or five or ten years from now, maybe career achievements or aspirations or the goals that you have in life. If you're so fixated on the goal, you might not really live in the present. And to live in the present sometimes, if you get to the goal, sometimes it's going to take for you to fail, to learn some things, to be able to get to where you want to be. Jesus is focused on glorification, right? That is his goal, and that is his prize at the end of the road to receive the glorification that is due to him, because he is the Son of God, but also because he is the Savior of the world. Imagine if he had spent so much time just fixated on the goal at the loss of the present. We might have less teachings. We might have less healings. He might not have spent as much time as he did with his disciples in preparing them for the work that is ahead. It's not that you stop focusing on the goal, it's that you have
1: to hold those two things well, well balanced at the same time. When you are focused on the goal
2: at the same time, not losing sight of the process that it takes to get there. And it's a journey to get there. It's even, uh, and to get to the journey, to get to the goal, right, sometimes it requires sacrifice. Or maybe not, sometimes, but all the time requires some sacrifice. to give up some things. We might even have to withdraw a little bit of suffering. I mean, even as Christians, right, our goal is eternal life. Our goal is to receive the prize at the end of the world, the unfading crown of righteousness. But that's what we're after. And in that process, right, we're required to give up a lot of things. And even in that process, we might have to bear some some scars. But it's the journey to get that makes the goal or the prize that much more meaningful, that much more significant. Where you can actually look back and say, yes, it was all worth it to have this. Jesus, Jesus is in his last, last moments in life, and he makes this prayer, which I think is the most important prayer in all the Bible. In this prayer, he prays for his church. but not before praying for glory. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. To that, to see that this is eyes to heaven. praise the God. Father, glorify your Son. And this was the kind the, of the, the common posture of in Jesus it. was one's eyes to heaven. Not to say that Jesus, that God is up there, but that God is, it communicates that God is transcendent, that He is above all things. So I don't know why it's our tendency to, to kind of look down and pray. To God, we pray to you. That almost kind of doesn't really make sense. But that's a bad thing. child is always looking up to his father. So Jesus, in a similar manner, is looking up to his heavenly Father and praying, "God, glorify your Son." Glory is one of the themes that distinguishes the Gospel of John from the other Gospels. So you don't see the theme of glory so prominent that in the Gospel of John, it is incredibly important in this Gospel. The glory of Christ, the glory of God, God, God being glorified through the person, through the work of Jesus Christ. So, if it seems like to you, as we've been walking through the Gospel of John, and we talk about glory a lot, it's because John does. i have got a problem the idea with John. If you can tell a lot about a person, about what they value most, what's most important to them, by listening to their prayers, because so I wonder what can we tell about you what you think are most important to you, what are most valuable to you if you were to listen in to your prayers but no one else is listening. And you can tell a lot about a person as well when they're in the last moments of life. And even what their prayer is like before they depart from the world. And Jesus, in these last moments, he's not out preaching the gospel, which we might expect him to do. He's not out out demons from those who are possessed by demons, he's not performing healings, he's not going out there and teaching people in the synagogue. Not that those things are unimportant, but we see him instead in a private place with his disciples. Teaching them and preparing them for a greater work that's coming and praying with for them. But for his first prayer is his glory. Christ's glory is his exaltation. It is the prestige, it is the honor that is rightfully his because of his identity, because he is God come from heaven. But also a glory and a prestige and honor that he deserves as being the, the Savior of the world. As the one who fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf, a righteousness that we could have never accomplished or earned on our own. Jesus fulfilled that for us. And then, as a man, he wears the veil of humanity. Just as Moses came down from the mountain and his face was glowing because of being his being in the presence of God, he had to wear a veil over his face when he came down and instructed the people. So, So Jesus wore the veil of humanity in order to cover the splendor and the glory and the majesty and the brilliance of his splendor, of his glory. So that, so that Christ prayed for his own glory, he prayed, God, return to me the splendor and the majesty that was mine when I was with him in heaven. And it is also his receiving the title of Savior of the world. Right? He is the Son of God, he's always been the God. But through the cross, Jesus has also acquired for himself the title of Savior. These things I and mean, many other reasons, he deserves all the glory. However, right. right. to receive the glory, to receive the treasure, right? right. right. anybody who right. wants the treasure at yeah. the end where they must slay the dragon, right. but anybody right. Be successful, but there's no way you're gonna leave that unscathed. There's no way you're not gonna get hurt. But you see, Jesus prayed for his own glory, he's also praying at the same time that you have you given the strength and the endurance to be able to persevere through the coming suffering. Because he knows if I want the glory, then I must suffer. Because that is what's necessary, but the glory must come from the cross. In that fact, we cannot separate the cross of Christ from the glory of Christ. Only the Gospel of John does Jesus described his crucifixion as his being high and lifted up. He takes this, I think, from Isaiah 52, verse 13. Where it says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. John 3.14, Jesus says that as most is lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. There's a double meaning there, that His being high and lifted up on the cross is His way of also being lifted up and high to His exaltation. That Christ prays that his, in His last moments that He be glorified, shows that Jesus Christ is passionate for his own glory, and that this is what matters most to him. And to receive that glory, he must go to the cross. And the cross is the be to which. is as in the cross. He also prays for the glory of the Father. Again, verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he built up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. That the Son may glorify you. Jesus is not saying that he will not glorify the Father. He himself is not glorified. It's not a, a conditional statement. If you will glorify me, then I will glorify you. That's not what Jesus is saying. Instead, the glorification of the Son will certainly result in the glorification of God the Father. So, so even in his request for his own glory, he's ultimately praying for the glory of God the Father. So Jesus is not only passionate for his own glory, but he's also passionate for the glory of God. In John 8, 29, Jesus says, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Right, two things we can take away from the passage. How do you please the Father? By always doing the things that please the Father. And, and this is how we can have confidence with, that God, God is with us, with that He remains with us. Whereas if you are feeling you today that like the Lord is not with you, a, a reason, reason could be, only you know, a reason could be that, that you may, may not be not in a pattern of doing the things that are pleasing the Lord. That's not to say that He is departed from you. the father is the way that we glorify the father and then, and then john 11 in the raising of lazarus from, from the dead jesus, jesus says this illness does not lead to death it is for the glory of god so that the son of god may be glorified through it for jesus christ has spoken a word even though he was a significant distance away from that said be healed and lazarus would have been healed but instead, he allows Lazarus to die for the glory of God. And then later on like in John chapter 11, the author speaking to Jesus, and Jesus tells them, Remove the stone. But let me see the tomb. And he said, he's been dead for four days. And Jesus says, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And he did not say, that if you believe, you would see the resurrection of Lazarus. Which did happen. But No, no, he said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Jesus was passionate for the glory of God. And everything that he did, that he did everything that he taught, everything was for the glory of God. This is a sermon that I would commend to you. My mad channel, just go on Google and just... Look up Matt Chandler Code Orange. And it's it's from, I think, 2012. And it's a a conference at Elevation Church, a huge church. And Matt Chandler preaches on the glory of God, of how God is about his own glory. He preaches from Psalm 23, which is an interesting passage to preach from when talking about the glory of God. But how does Psalm 23 begin? It says, for the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in my green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. And my the chapter says, we might read that passage you we might conclude, wow, God is really into me. God is really all about me. Until you get to the end of verse 3. Where it says, He leads me in the path of righteousness. For his namesake. It's not about us. It's about him. And then afterwards, in that sermon, the next preacher gets up and he preaches a sermon that's completely contrary to Chandler's sermon. In fact, I think it was in response to Chandler's sermon. Two very different sermons. Completely opposed to one another. Why do we have two different sermons? Because, because one, one comes, comes, they both come from, from, from different foundations. One came from the idea that God needs to take out of you your fullest potential. That that's what the cross is for. To make the best version of yourself. It sounds really good. Who wouldn't want to be the best version of themselves. But then the other came from the point of view that says, no, there's actually no good in you. That you are a sinner, that you are dead in the trespasses and sins, and that you need to be saved through Jesus Christ. There was a lot of controversy on it because the, the conference actually took took down Chandler's sermon, and then people made a fuss about it and they put it back up. It's all for the glory of God. It's not just about us. It is not about us. It is for his name's sake. Yes, Jesus is passionate for the salvation of sinners. He really is. We see that from the scriptures. He loves us and he died for us. But he is most passionate for his own glory and the glory of God. And God is passionate about the glory of Christ and God is passionate for the glory of himself through Jesus Christ. And then that this is what we need to understand. That God, the only way that God could maintain his righteousness and his holiness and his justice, and at the same time forgive sinners, is only through Jesus Christ. To be who fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf. Otherwise, if God did not care about his own name or his own glory, he would just simply say, you know what, I love these poor sinners, and I'm just going to forgive them, and pretend like they have no sin, and I'm just going to love them, and I'm going to pardon all their sin, and everything's going to be okay between us. Now that would mean that Jesus, that God is not a righteous, holy, and just God. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, because through the cross of Christ we're forgiven, we receive these eternal blessings in Christ Jesus. We are declared righteous, and in so doing, right? we proclaim the name of God as the God who is just and merciful, and 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 and, and loving and righteous—all these things at the same time. And the thing is, is that when we Bible, we make the life of a Christian about us, it does not prepare us for eternal life. Because eternal life, heaven is a place of infinite glory. It really is like two mirrors that are bouncing light off each other. If God reflects it, the light of his glory to Jesus and Jesus reflects that glory back. And so heaven is a place of spectacular and wonderful and magnificent glory. It's a, it's a, it's a spectacular light a show. That even in the Bible tells us that, that in the new heavens there will be no sun or moon because the glory of God is its light. And were it not for the glorified bodies that believe our prophets and scriptures, we would not only struck blind by, by that light, light but also be struck dead. Now, everything is about the glory of God. If they believe otherwise, it's a false reality. It's like a matrix living in a dream world. It's just not reality. The Christ prays the warrior for his own glory the glory of God the Father, verse 2, this is the ground of thy glory. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh. Jesus was never shy about displaying his authority.
1: In Matthew seven twenty eight. 28, after Jesus,